We have some like overarching questions that we can hit now. So Mark on YouTube says that the Bruins have the leaders to drive them to a cup this year. I think that remains to be seen, honestly. Um, I think obviously you have Stanley Cup experience with Brad Marchand, obviously with the Bruins in 2011, and then Kevin Shattenkirk in Tampa Bay. Um, I think there's potential there for obviously McAvoy and Carlo and Pasternak and others have been to a Stanley Cup final, but I guess what it's not, I'm not saying, and maybe this is a cop out answer, I'm not saying that they don't, I'm just saying we we have to see it, quite frankly. And I think these players are entering their primes, they're in their primes. So, in yeah, Marshand won an 11, but he's also had his fair share of, of you know, years where they didn't uh, maybe pull through. So, they have leadership, they have potential. I just can't definitively say, especially on the heels of last season, that that they absolutely have the leadership to to win because I thought they had that last year. I mean, you had Marchand and Bergeron and Felino and um, I mean Orloff had won a cup and you, whatever. So I it remains to be seen for me that that might not be uh, the answer somebody's looking for. But honestly, I just can't say that they do right now. Yeah, and it's to kind of piggyback off that, like it's one of those things that you you don't know if you have it until you actually do it. You know, like I think, I think Mark in that same comment, you know, referenced like Char and Bergeron in, in 2011. And it's like, yeah, but those guys didn't, didn't have it before then. Like neither of them had won a cup. You know, you did have Sean Thorne who had won in Anaheim, who was obviously, um, you know, at least like an, an emotional leader on that team, even if he didn't wear a letter. You have Lucic kind of in that role this year as a fourth liner, um, which we you know forget about because he's been injured for so long now. But he is That's he is point. very much still he is very much still there. I forgot um, about him just then. Even recapping yeah. those names, so thank you for bringing him up. Yeah, so you know, yeah, like I think I think Martian's doing a good job as captain so far. I think McAvoy and Parsonak are embracing you know stepping into even more of a leadership role, but. Sure, like in, until they actually do it and this team goes on a long run and, and ideally wins a cup, like, yeah, they, they, haven't, they haven't done that yet. So I can't tell you with 100% certainty that they're going to be good enough leaders to to, to take this team there. Um, I would just say that, you know, a lot of teams have leaders who haven't done it until they do. You know, T- Tampa's leadership group – was known for choking before they went back to back cups. And now we look at, we rightly look at that group as like one of the best cores and one of the best leadership groups in the NHL. Yeah. And, and I mean, the good news is that even though you lose Krejci and Bergeron, the culture really doesn't seem to have changed. Like the culture has like transcended the different generations of players from that 2011 cup run in in Stanley Cup championship to the players that are still there. It's kind of been passed down and passed down. That's also where coaching comes in. Sometimes it's about motivating guys the right way. Um, I also think, and this is a player we haven't really talked about, uh, 
in terms of a leadership role, maybe Shattenkirk can be somebody that with his experience can maybe have a little bit of perspective and bring a little bit of outside perspective that they didn't have last year. Um, just because he's a veteran in the league and maybe you hear something that he has to say that is coming from outside your culture that maybe some sparks some sort of um, thought or conversation. Uh, there's definitely a lot of guys that you think, okay, if they're going to be successful and win a cup, it's going to be the guys wearing the A's and the C that are more than likely going to be the guys you need leading. Um, I also think that the Bruins goaltenders have some like their personalities might be able to create some sort of a, a leadership around how solidly they're playing and how much you trust your goaltenders. Um, can you can really rally around that at certain points in the season, especially if a goalie gets hot. So there's just so many different places it could come from. We just don't really, we haven't seen it um, yet. So it's hard to answer. You all, you mentioned coaching Bridget as well. And I also feel like, so, okay. So yes, we've mentioned that you have Marshan, Lucic and Shattenkirk as guys with Stanley cup championships uh, to their resume, but you've last year, you lost Bergeron, you lost Felino, who by the way, has never won a cup, but, objectively a good leader. Um, Bergeron, Felino, um, Krejci. Jim Montgomery is coaching this year, clearly with a far less good cop approach. Um, he's His team is first in the league. They have the most points, best winning percentage, but he's not allowing that to to blind him and, and notice where they're, where they haven't been playing. Um, great hockey necessarily at all times. And Scott mentioned the bag skate they had. And, and do you feel like Jim Montgomery is coaching with a different energy this year because there's no Bergeron and there's no Krejci in the room to, and Felino to police the room themselves. And it's just more of a mixed bag of players. It's a new group. Yeah, maybe he's feeling pressure on him for his own job. I I don't obviously not from it for his well, regular season uh, record. But do you think do you think he just feels like the room might be more his than it was last year for a lot of reasons, not being his first year uh, and and the, the aforementioned names I said. I I think that it's important for him to be more involved this year because of the younger players. Right, we see him around Patra all the time. Like I feel like I always see him during the games, the TV shot of the bench is always him whispering something to Matt Patra or Johnny Beecher. Like he needs to be hands-on breaking bad habits as they happen to those younger players. So that's one thing like that he's definitely been uh, having to lead in that way to teach the younger guys as things crop up, um, what to do, what not to do in certain situations. And then Bergeron was somebody that he kind of just let take the reins a lot and and do the you know the the speeches and everything but when it comes to actually coaching like he was always the guy that uh was making the final decision so yeah i do think there's definitely different energy and i do think the leadership's part of it it's it's not you know i don't think it's like any sort of flaw of bergeron or Krejci or felino or whatever i just think Montgomery didn't insert himself as much last year. And we heard that time and time again about, you know, 
I'd go to get on someone and Patrice had already talked to him about it. And it's like, okay, like there's not really a point to like doubling up the message, but I keep thinking back to um, at the end of season press conference that the Bruins did at the garden where it was Montgomery, Sweeney, Neely. And I think, I don't remember if Charlie Jacobs was there. He might've been. Um, And Montgomery was asked about like lessons that he, he learned, you know, with the playoff loss. And he said, like, I need to be more involved. I need to motivate guys more. And I think he was going to do that this season. Now, in retrospect, I think he probably already had a good idea at that point that Bergeron and Krejci were, were retiring. But even if one or both of them were back, I think you'd see, maybe not quite to this extent, but I think he would have seen a change anyways because – I do think he legitimately believes that he probably left it in players' hands a little too much last year and thought, you know, they don't need me stepping in. They have it under control. And it's only when you lose that game seven that you realize, like, geez, did I have to step in more? Should I have been more hands-on? Should I have gotten on these guys at times, even though, you know, the feedback I was getting was that they were handling it in-house? Um so, yeah, I do think that's been a conscious shift from him. And with so much turnover, I think this team probably needs it. So it's it's a good thing. I also think Brad Marchand is is probably more open to that um, than maybe, you know, Bergeron might have been. I remember uh, when Montgomery got hired, he said like, his first phone call with Marchand. Marchand made a comment about, like, hey – we're yours. We want to be coached. Like, you know, it was like, it was like, yeah, get on us if you need to. Martian on Monday, when he was asked about the bag skate said like, yeah, money didn't think we were practicing well and felt like he had to step in. And sometimes a coach has to do that. So I also think, cause I, I think Martian has that in him too. Like, I think he wants to get on guys. Sometimes we've, ta- we've heard Jake DeBrus talk about Martian being hard on him when he doesn't bring it into practice. So, yeah, I do think there's, there's been certainly a shift from Montgomery, but also just in the the leadership of the team in, in general. And just I just want to bring this up quick. Montgomery also, even though he's not coached a Stanley Cup champion, he's won a national title with Denver, and that was not that long ago. In fact, he uh, you know, some of his former players are on the team. Dan Heinen, though, I think we've – well, no, as, as, we, as we figured like, out, they, they actually aren't because they both missed it. Yeah, they both they're, missed it, but they're bumps, and I don't know why they're here. No, I'm just kidding. They're, yeah, but he's used to so his experience comes from coaching young players um, in the college game in that stage of their development. So um, he has that experience, and we're talking about what he's trying to do with Patra and, and Lori. And so he's experienced with that. Um, he's also experienced a college game has a lot of turnover every year. Guys graduate, guys sign in the NHL. So he's been able to take the turnover in stride and find new ways and new solutions. I think maybe that's one of the reasons why we'll see him trying different things all the time. Um, and so he has been a coach that has motivated and led a college team in Denver to a national title before. So he has that ability um, just to bring that into perspective that it's been done in the past, even though it wasn't at the NHL level. All right. Yeah. I mean, like, like you guys mentioned, I think, I think it's true. I, I don't think, 
I think last year, Montgomery coming into the franchise, it's his first year. You look across the room and you have Bergeron, who's been there since 2003, since before the Red Sox broke the, broke the curse of the Bambino. It's very <laughs> obvious who, whose room it is, right? So it was probably intimidating for him to try to impose his 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 voice and influence in a in a bad cop type of way. Um, so I, I don't, like, Scott, you said you mentioned it like it's. I'm not casting blame on Felino or Krejci or Bergeron. Like it's it's just the reality of what the situation was last year. It was a difficult situation for Montgomery, and yeah, you know, in doing so, they're also breaking NHL records. So there wasn't a ton of moments to probably be that guy. And then it all kind of came crashing down in the playoffs. And next thing they knew, they were done. So I, I yeah, and and Marshand I think is one of those guys who yeah he 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 probably recognizes. Look, like we can't be comfortable in this room. And and everybody has a job to do. Your job is to coach, and and what that entails. So, um, I definitely feel that there's, there's a difference this year. And um, what'll be what'll be interesting is like, does Montgomery start to have like relationships sour with a couple of players? Like in particular, like you know, Jake DeBrus comes to mind, right? Like he's a player that didn't get along with Bruce Cassidy after a while. You know, if it, let's say Montgomery and DeBrus don't have a great relationship, you know towards the end of this year, even if it's like not a big deal, but maybe the Bruins are sitting there saying like, all right, well, DeBrusque is up for a contract. He's had two coaches, one a player-friendly coach, one a non that both kind of say he might be tough to coach. These are just little things I'm saying that like could come out in the, in the, in the laundry machine um, with Montgomery being more of a um, diverse personality. You might start to get some more feedback from his perspective. I don't know. It's it just – that's just what, where my mind goes with the different energy this year. You know, it, it might cause some, it might ruffle some feathers, but oh well. Yeah, I'm gonna also, get, oh, sorry. I, we don't have a lot of time. I was going to jump to the next question, but if you have something, Scott. I was just quickly going to say, like, I also think there's at least so far a little bit of a difference where Montgomery isn't really tearing anyone down individually. Like even when he benched Laura, it was, hey, it's a teaching moment. It's not, you know, punishment he's taking more of like a tear down the whole team. If the situation calls for it, right? Like the whole team's bag skating. It's not someone, you know, getting kicked out of practice or bench for a game. It's, you know, Hey, everyone's got to work harder. All right. So we don't have a lot of time. We have one question I want to get to. We're going to give a real quick answer. And then we, I'm going to merge together some goalie questions we got. So this one we need to, I need to read this because of the Twitter handle is Don's Weenie. And that's kind of hilarious. Um, uh, Don's Weenie on Twitter says, I, 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 as the most mature person on this podcast, as we've established, you know, I, I just got to say really, really beneath everyone, but no, yeah, no. I, I love it. It's also, yeah. it's also happens to be Scott's alias. So I was going to say, I kind of has Scott written all over it. It's um, burner. He wish, if not, he wishes he thought of it. So anyway, uh, the question is, why are the Bruins having more success than other teams with similar or even superior rosters to the Bruins like Tampa Bay? And my the next questions are going to be about goaltending, including this one. Uh, are the Bruins goaltending and defense making up for, you know, I guess kind of the same thing. The fact that maybe other teams have better uh, talent on the front end are the Bruins defensemen and goalies making it. So some of those mistakes made just don't end up in the back of the net. 
Yeah, when when I was at BU, I got to talk to Jack Parker every week, and one of his famous sayings was, this game should be called goalie. And sometimes it's really that simple. The reason, the biggest reason the Bruins are doing much better record-wise than pick, pick your you know Eastern Conference favorite of choice, Toronto, Tampa, Carolina, New Jersey, is the Bruins have the best goaltending in the NHL. And I'm looking at save percentage. Bruins are at 936 as a team. Tampa Bay, without Andre Vasilevsky, who's still out injured, 21st at 888. Toronto, 22nd, 887. New Jersey, 30th, 874. Carolina, 31st, also at 874. Just percentage points under New Jersey, but... Like, yeah, we could do a deeper dive on, you know, New Jersey in particular, Jack Hughes and Nico Heischer have been injured. That's a huge factor there. Um, but really, more than anything else, it just comes down to the Bruins are getting elite goaltending and those teams are getting bad goaltending. It sounds like New terrible. Jersey. Sounds like New Jersey might be missing Pavel Zaka a little bit. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you think about it. Uh, but yeah, so. I think it is that simple. I, it, it, the Bruins have an elite defense and two elite goalies, and that yeah. is going to save you um, from mistakes, uh, make up for breakdowns. Um, your goalie's getting you more saves. Scott, how has – and Bridget, I don't mean to, to jump in. I'm actually curious because it, it really is Scott's answer. It's, it's the goaltending. What are the underlying analytics regarding the Bruins' defense and what they're giving up? Because I do feel like the reason the goaltending has been so strong is because of the numbers, but also, like, yeah, like they're also saving the Bruins' defense's bacon as well. Yes, the Bruins structurally have, I think, one of the best defense structures and cores in the league, but even beyond them, like, they are also bailed out by Swayman and Allmark. And I would, I just want to like highlight that because it, it really emphasizes just how much the goaltending is the reason that the Bruins are where they are. Yeah. So the Bruins are still ranking like the top 10 in terms of expected goals against what I would say about that though, is it's almost twofold where their in zone defense has still been really good They're When teams get into the zone, even if the Bruins allow some possession because they do tend to be a little more passive and not um, kill plays quickly enough sometimes, but they don't give up great chances. Like they're just structurally sound Um, where they're struggling defensively. And Montgomery has talked about this. I know Nesson had a stat about it a few games ago from, um, from like a, a pay service, not a, a publicly available stat site their rush defense has not been good this year. They have given up a lot of odd man rushes. Montgomery even said that after the win in Buffalo, that they're still giving up too many. Um, And that kind of, that really starts like in the offensive zone to something else that we've talked about. And Montgomery has talked about is they haven't, they haven't always been a great possession team this year. Um, You know, Montgomery said they've had too many, too many one and dones. And when you think about it, like that's, that's a way to give up an on-man rush, right? If your team is going forward thinking they're about to get, you know, some offensive chances and you take a shot, there's a rebound, 
no one's there to get the rebound. Now it's coming back the other way. So um, they do definitely have to clean that up. And I'm sure some of it is things like, like gap control, like the actual technicalities of defending a rush. And some of it is just being smarter with the puck in the offensive zone and not, not giving it away in spots that lead to those odd man rushes. Yeah. Basically not getting caught too deep and not making turnovers at the blue line, like your offensive blue line. Um, and I can think of a few that happened with Lori that McAvoy was able to get back and kind of cover for him a little bit. Um, it, but I want to skip to the last goalie questions, which are one about each. So this one from Chip, uh, who emailed us, said, Elliot Freeman mentioned Swayman could be extended after the new year. Are you hearing anything about that? I'm going to start first and say what I do know is that Swayman said he does not want to go back to arbitration, which is what would happen because he only got a one-year deal after this past arbitration. And um, hearing Swayman speak about how awful um, that process was, having to have your team come out and say you're only worth this much money and and just like the mental fatigue that it caused and, and it, it doesn't feel good in that situation. Those are hard things to hear. He said he doesn't want to get back to that point. So it's not like I, I don't expect that he's going to make it all the way to the to, to free agency, to arb- another arbitration. So that would mean an extension would be happening for Swayman during the season at some point. Scott, I don't know if you have a different uh, thought on that, but that's where my mind goes just thinking back to what Swayman said. Well, so I guess I, I would offer a little bit of a counter to that. So for just to kind of cover the like minutia of it, because Swayman signed over the summer, he can't sign an extension right now. Starting January 1st, he can. And I think, I think Friedman mentioned that on um, the 32 thoughts podcast, which is where this came from. I think it would be more in the, honestly, more in the Bruins interest to try to get this done in season because you look at the way Swayman started. This can turn into a Pasenak thing last year where the longer he keeps playing like this, the more his value goes up, the higher that number on the next contract gets. So Swayman could, we've talked about how he's a confident player. He could bet on himself, say, you know, I feel great. I think I'm going to keep playing like this. 